Well, New Year always has surprises, doesn't it? Well, it's been great to hear testimonies of what, sorry, I don't want to kick that over, what God's been doing this last year in your lives in many different ways, big ways, small ways, difficult things, good things. Actually, I was thinking, as Mark said last week, it was great that Christmas Day was on a Sunday. I think it's great that New Year's Day is on a Sunday because probably wouldn't have thought this a few years ago, I have to be honest. I don't think there's a better way than to start the new year than together as God's family. That might be a stretch for some of us, but I think that is true. I might swap you lot for a Greek island beach somewhere or something, but generally, seeing as I'm in Gloucester, being with you, being together as God's people is, I think, the best way to start the new year and celebrating the Lord's Supper. But there are always surprises in a new year. I've just had one already this morning. A colleague of mine sent me a WhatsApp a few days ago saying, can I come and stay with you? I'm on my way through to Wales. I'll be landing in Bristol, 2nd of June, somewhere around then. Would that work? And I said, yeah, that's fine. By all means. Um, and he just uh, rang me this morning and said, I'm at the airport. I'll be there in a couple of hours. So obviously, somehow June changed into January. <clears throat> So, yeah, I think I left keys and he's in my house right now. So that's all good. <laughs> yes. But it is good that, you know, God is with us in all those changes. I've got a, a, another colleague who loves a Michael Bubbly song, Bublé, how you say his name. And every time we do a ministry together, he plays it full blast on the way to the ministry event. And it's a new day. It's a new dawn, however the words go, because he's so excited about the day. And I'm sure he's got it full blast right now because it's not just a new day. It's a new year. I'm a bit more of a U2 person. Nothing changes on New Year's Day. That's why I didn't bother staying up last night. Sorry. Um, but I know there are two things I can guarantee about this year. One is our fallibility and the other is God's faithfulness. And as we get ready to enter a new year, I just want to think about those two things. We often hear the saying that those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. And actually, the Bible very often encourages us to look back, to remember. That's what we're doing this morning. I wanted to just look at a couple of passages very briefly. It's not going to be a long sermon. This is all part of preparation for communion. And in fact, I want to give moments where we can just pause and reflect as we do this. And we're going to look in Deuteronomy, just at two passages there. It's a book we want to look at later on in the year. So hopefully we'll whet our appetites by just digging in briefly to a couple of thoughts. And in these passages, we're encouraged first to remember our rebellion, but then second to remember God's and his salvation. So if you can find Deuteronomy chapter one, we're just going to look briefly at a couple of verses there to begin with. Deuteronomy is, is a record of what Moses says to the new generation of Israel as they get ready to come into the promised land. They've been there once before and they failed miserably. They wandered around the desert for 40 years, and now they're on the verge of entering again. And I think as we, as we look at books like Deuteronomy, in fact, the whole Old Testament, it's really helpful for us, I believe, because in one sense, the story of Israel is our story to one degree or another. Every time I look at the Old Testament, think, how can they have got it so wrong? How can they be so bad? I then kind of reflect and think, well, actually, I'm not that much different. 
And Moses basically begins this book by bringing to mind the people's disobedience. He says, you know, we were on the verge of entering. It's, and he tells the people it's a good land, the land the Lord our God is giving us, verse, 20, verse 25. And then he says this, verse 26. But, but you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose heart. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. And so they disobey God. They don't go in. And so there are several aspects to this rebellion that Moses reminds them of that I think I can relate to. Perhaps you can too. Firstly, there is a direct rebellion against God's command. Verse 26. You were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. In one sense, that's a summary pretty much of their whole journey. And of course, we know it carries on even when they're in the promised land. They break God's commands time and time again. And, and here they're doing it just having been rescued out of slavery and oppression in Egypt. Just as they're about to enter the land, they say, nope, we're not going in. Thank you very much, God. We don't trust you we're going somewhere else. And they refuse to obey God's command. And then verse 27, that leads to grumbling at God. Why do they grumble? Well, they believe a lie. They believe that God is not good. It's amazing what they think here. The Lord, verse 27, the Lord hates us. So he's brought us up out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Come on, would God really bring them out of Egypt, rescue them in that amazing way, just to let them get destroyed by another people. So failing to trust God's goodness and his greatness is at the heart of their grumbling and complaining. They fail to believe God is good. They fail to believe God loves them. They fail to believe they're God's chosen people. And those are all themes that Moses is going to unpack through the rest of Deuteronomy. And so because they don't trust in God, they refuse to enter. They believe the obstacles they faced were greater than the God who rescued them. And so that led to grumbling against God. Then verse 28, discouragement and fear. God can't rescue us. God isn't great enough to beat the enemy through us. And notice this discouragement is based on kind of a half-truth. The people are stronger and taller than we are. You're not the only one who's short, Chris. It's okay. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. So yeah, the people of the land might have been bigger and better warriors than the Israelites. They might have had fortified cities with strong walls. And yeah, there might have been even these huge people, the Anakites. For us, it'd probably be like saying, well, you're going to go and compete against a group of people and you say, okay. And then you realize they're all rugby players or, or they're all basketball players or, or American football players, even worse. Even the, the, the small guys are huge there. But that's only half the truth, whatever's laying out in front of them. The full truth is what Moses then goes on to tell them, verse 29. He said, I was there with you 40 years ago, and I said to you, don't be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God, who is going before you, will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt, before your very eyes and in the desert. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. That's the full truth. 
There are obstacles. Yes, there are giants in the land. There are walled cities. There are these tough people. But don't be afraid. God is going before you. God will fight for you. And, and they've already seen that. They've just come out of Egypt against Pharaoh. They've seen God's amazing salvation there, which makes that rebellion so much worse, I think. They feel, fail to believe and follow God here, even though they've just seen how God has rescued them from Egypt. And so they end up wandering in the desert another 40 years until that whole generation passes away. But what Moses does is he lays out, begins this book by laying it out plainly for the people. This is what you're like. And as I look back at 2022, yes, probably ordinary in some ways, I can also relate to all these things. I have disobeyed God. I've done wrong, things I shouldn't have done. I have not done good I should have done. I have failed to love others, my family, people around me, as I've been commanded to by Jesus. I have failed at times to forgive others, as we're exhorted to. I'm sure I've not taken steps of faith I've been called to because I've been too afraid or thinking that God won't be there. Sometimes I know I've deliberately sinned in certain areas. So yeah, guilty, disobedient, even as God's people, even as someone God has saved, who's brought into his family, just like the Israelites, I can say, yes, I've been disobedient. And I expect I've grumbled against God. I expect at times I've believed the lie that he's not good, that he's not for me. I forget Romans 8. God is for us. Who can be against us? I, I fail to hold on to that fact. God is for me. And I'm not talking about honest expressions of struggles and doubts, even as we hold on to God's goodness. I'm talking about the way we sometimes believe that fundamental lie, God is not for me. God is not good. And so at times, I know I've succumbed to discouragement and fear. Probably let those squash that sense of responding to God's call, to stepping out in faith, allowing the what-ifs, the anxieties, to drown out that simple message that God is good. And God is trustworthy. And so I've seen the half-truths of the circumstances in front of me. And they've spoken louder than the full truth that God goes before us. That he carries us as a father carries a child. It's a beautiful picture. That's what God is like. And as I look back, I think, yep, like the people of Israel, even though I've seen his faithfulness time and time again, I have still succumbed to all these things. So just take a moment, reflect on this past year. Think, where might I need to bring failures and fallibility to God? What specific thing might God want me to be changing? Remembering, of course, Jeremiah's words that the heart is deceitful above all things, praying with David in the words of Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Just take a minute. Allow God to search us as we look back and we think, God, where have I been disobedient, fearful, discouraged, grumbling? How can I bring those to you and make 2023 different?
I know it's not easy always to think back in a time like this, but I encourage you, we're starting a new year, use, you find some time to reflect on this time with God and yourself. Now, some of us, it's very easy to remember we're sinners. We remember quite easily our rebellion and perhaps get a bit discouraged. But that's not the only thing Moses encourages the people to remember. If you flip over a few chapters, chapter 6, Moses also encourages the people to remember God and his salvation. Verse 10 of chapter 6, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a, la a land to give you, a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. At the start of the new year, it is great to be reminded of God's salvation for us, of his faithfulness to his promises, of who he is. That's what we've got to hold on to in the face of the condemnation and discouragement that Satan brings our way. But it's also important to remember our salvation even when things are going well. Notice the verse says, be careful you don't forget, verse 12, when? Well, when everything has worked out the way God said it would. When the Lord your God has brought you into this land. When you have houses filled with all kinds of good things that you didn't build or provide. So when we have all that we need, when we look back and see God's blessing and provision, when we experience that this year, as we know we will do, Let's not forget God and his salvation. Sometimes it's easy for us to imagine when things are going well, that it is actually down to our own cleverness and wisdom. Or maybe we found the secret formula of pleasing God. And I know we can make good and bad decisions and we reap from those. But at the end of the day, as Marcus said, everything comes from God. Who's brought them into this land? Certainly not themselves. God has done that. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, it's all God's doing for his people, giving them these houses full of provisions. As Roger was saying, vineyards and olive groves and wells. In the midst of these blessings, don't forget God himself, the one who saves. So there are two things we're being encouraged to remember here. And I think it's worth holding on to as, as we enter a new year. God himself and his salvation. Let's remember God has saved us from our sins and restored us to a relationship with him. That's what we're moving towards as we celebrate communion together. We remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, the salvation he won for us, that rescue from sin and redemption. I think, in fact, this simple act of remembering is the most powerful way we can start a new year. It's a reminder of Christ's victory. Through the cross and resurrection, he defeated sin and death. That surely has to transform how we face another year. A year that might have uncertainty and challenges ahead that we're not even aware of yet. It's a reminder of our forgiveness. We go into a new year with a blank slate, a fresh start. Isaiah 1 tells us, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And the, the amazing truth of the gospel is that God forgives us. 
that despite our fallibility, our rebellion, he is there every step of the way offering forgiveness. So we look back at last year, not to sink ourselves in gloom at our own sinfulness, but to remind ourselves of God's grace and to seek and allow his transformation of our lives as we go into a new year. Because it's a reminder, too, of our new identity. As we look back and say, yes, we're sinners, we also look back at the cross and the resurrection, and we see that we're saints. In Christ, we're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We've come into a new land, a land where we live in relationship with God. And sometimes we forget that. We get so busy in all the things that we face on a daily basis, sometimes even working hard for God, yet forgetting God himself. So I want to encourage you at the beginning of a new year, don't forget him, don't forget our salvation. Let's be like Moses in a sense, as he does here, encouraging the people to not forget either. There were those in that last passage who discouraged the people. But let's help each other hold on to both God and his salvation in 2023. Remembering all he's done for us, his blessings, his mercy, his kindness and goodness, knowing he will go before us. As we've seen, knowing that he will carry us as a father carries a child, he will fight for us. So as we come to a time of communion, what better way than to remember the salvation that we have in Christ's sacrifice. And as we take the elements, we, we can look forward to all God will do in and through us despite our fallibility and failure because he is faithful. He is good. And so we're going to have a moment to, to, to reflect on that a little bit more, but we're going to sing a song now just to help prepare our hearts. And if we can need to stand or stay seated, if you feel more comfortable, we're going to sing, Oh, praise the name as we come to our time of communion. <laughs>